Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. First guest today is Chris Mulligan, and our topic is afterlife agreements. Chris Mulligan lost her son, Zach, in 2000. Zach's death was a life-changing event that drew her to believe that she had chosen to design her own life plan. This philosophy has helped Chris to accept as a gift her trials and tribulations. Chris is the author of Afterlife Agreements, A Gift from Beyond. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hi. I'm glad to be here. It's great to have you on. Now, tell us a little bit about your background, and then we'll talk a little bit about Zach. Okay. Well, first of all, I I have a bachelor's degree in in psychology. I've always been involved and loved learning about people, how they work and how the brain works. And then my master's degree was in clinical child, youth, and family work, which was a counseling program that that worked with at-risk kids and families. So I ended up as a social worker. And, and have oh, probably over about 24 years in working with various populations from the Oregon State, pardon me, Oregon State Hospital geriatrics to child abuse victims. And in the last eight years specifically, it's been in adoptions. So I really thought I knew all about grief and loss, <laughs> you know, because it was from a clinical perspective. But when I lost that, that all went out the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that was in 2000? Yes. Eight years ago. Could you tell us about Zach and about what happened? Okay. Zach was in a car accident. Um, He died from head injuries that he received in a single car accident, and that was on October 1st, 2000. He he was 21 years old. He, He was on life support for 12 hours until all family members could get there because the doctors had allowed us to choose the time when we would remove um, the life support. Wow, tough decision that I know a lot of our audience out there has had to do. Mm-hmm. It, it was. It, um, obviously the most difficult thing I've ever done in my entire life. Hope never to have to go through an experience like that again. But where I am now, I'm grateful for what happened after this long of a time of being able to see what could come from that? Now, tell me, <clears throat> I know you um, were going to be talking about your afterlife life agreements in your book. Uh, were you a spiritual person before he died? Did you have uh, the, those kinds of feelings of, of connecting with the other side, or was this new with him? Well, with him, it, it changed my belief. I, I had very strong beliefs before I had my children. My, my oldest son was four years older than Zach. And so my mom and I had gotten into um, attending past life seminars and and reading lots uh, about the afterlife and and joined an Edgar Cayce um, support group and and education group. And so I truly believed that the soul was eternal and that we had life lessons to learn, and that was for our spiritual growth. And that these lessons we charted our, ourselves before coming into this life. And so that's why I believed there were no coincidences, there were no accidents in life, and that everything happened for a reason. And every 
every life event, every person I met, every experience I had, had a purpose because I chose it. I chose all these events and people that came into my life to learn these lessons. That and, I and were you able to have that belief right after Zach died? Oh. <laughs> or did it take a while for you to feel that way around his death? Because I hear people saying that it's very hard for them to believe that this was meant for a reason or that this was supposed to happen in some way, especially in the first you know, year or two. Okay. I, I had those very strong beliefs mm-hmm. um, most all of my adult life, but I have to admit that I left that hospital that day and everything I knew, everything I believed, and everything I thought to be true was left right there at the admittance desk. My life was turned inside out and upside down. I didn't know what I believed. Mm-hmm. I just knew my son was gone. And so, yes, it, it made me question everything. You know, because my beliefs weren't tested. You know, I I had these very strong beliefs, but now I had to live without my son. Totally different process. And you talk in your book, The Afterlife Agreements, a gift from beyond, about constant crying and compartmentalizing, going to work and coming home and falling apart and, you know, all those things that we, you know, we do after that loss. Absolutely. Um these beliefs had gone, I, they'd been compartmentalized too. And, and it was just to be able to get through every single day all of those emotional and physical reactions I had to deal with. All the beliefs had been left someplace else. They had to come later on. And, and how long after Zach died did you begin to see signs? Okay. Um, I, <laughs> this was, my own, this was holding on to a belief. I wanted to believe that he was going to give me a sign. So I placed a bowl of M&Ms. This was my issue M&Ms. I wanted him to move them for me. And so they sat on our kitchen counter. I wanted them to be on the floor. I wanted them to be on the counter. I wanted him to move them for me. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. Mm-hmm. So within about three weeks, though, I noticed a cow sun catcher. And, and we... We had bought this cow sun catcher that had Amish country on the backside. And from the moment I hung it, it always, the writing was on the outside. But what I noticed is as I was sitting there, I would come home and I would cry every night after work. And I would sit there and I realized the cow sun catcher turned around so that I could read it. Mm-hmm. And then it started moving around and around. I slowly realized this happened every time I cried. This was his first sign to me. This, the cows were um, a joke between he and I. So, of course, that meant something to me, that it would be a cow um, piece of paraphernalia that we have lots of around our house, that he would give me a sign through a cow. Mm-hmm. And so, and so that found your meaning for you. I, I think one of the things that you talk about in the book is to notice, and I think that's what you're talking about now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. To notice what's around. Absolutely. Um, that's what happened after that. I started um, looking for things that that were um, symbolic of his and my relationship. He started moving pictures in the house, and and they would be the the cow pictures as well as family pictures. Um, we, I would see bells moving 
in the house when there was nothing going on, the air conditioner, the heat, nothing was moving it. They just started moving. And and you're talking about pictures moving. I mean, you're not talking about them trading places. You're just talking no. about them moving on They'd the... They'd be crooked on the wall. Crooked on the wall, yeah. Uh, Jane Greer, when we had her on, Heidi, she talked a little bit about uh, lights going on and off and things like that, didn't she? Mm-hmm, absolutely. And it reminds me of an email that I have, Mom. Um, I'm going to share it quickly. It says... You know uh, what? You, let's, okay. let's read that to us after when we okay. come back from break because uh, it's almost time for us to go to break. So um, one thing I just wanted to mention, we've got just a second. I wanted to just say something about the therapist sent you a card right after Zach died. And, and I loved what the therapist said. Do you remember from the book? He was, he was saying that he hoped that um, soon Zach might um, come to me in dreams. I thought that was a, a really insightful thing, and I'm sure it did happen, right? It did, yeah. and, and we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll let Heidi read the email, and also I'll talk about that dream. But, Heidi, I love the fact that a therapist would be sensitive enough to suggest something like that. Absolutely. I, I was real fortunate to have two wonderful therapists in my life, and I will readily admit that I needed them. They were wonderful when I needed them, and they're still my friends. Heidi, why don't you uh, give us that email? Okay, this email is from Freddie in St. Charles, Missouri, and it says, Dear Chris, I do not have any religious beliefs, and I do not believe in an afterlife. However, since my son John's death, I desperately want reassurance that my son is okay. Can you give me some tips about how to find signs or visit with him when I'm dreaming? Oh, okay. Um, it, it takes almost a little while before you can. I believe that that very beginning of grief, you are so heavy into it that, that you need to get a little way through your grief before you can actually have these dreams and trust that that's what it is. Okay. There's a difference between dreams and visits. Now, dreams, you can, you can dream about your loved one, but a visit is when they are in the dream, and you wake up knowing that it's totally different than um, just a dream. You have a sense that you were with them, that you felt them. It, it's almost like a little break from your grief in that um, you have a sense that you experience that loved one again. But I do believe that it takes a little while, a few months at least, for, for you to be in that place where you can open yourself, open yourself and, up to... And can you do things, Chris, like before you go to bed, really focus on that person that you love and call them to you while you're dreaming? Yes. You have to ask okay. for a sign. You have to ask for them to visit you. You have to open yourself up. And also, Chris, didn't you say that you... You say in your book also, and I just want to make sure that I... Uh, say something about your book before we come to the end of the show, and that's The Afterlife Agreements, A Gift from Beyond by Chris, Chris Mulligan. And Chris, how would people get your book? It, it's on it, all the um, online uh, bookstores. So you can get it through Amazon. Amazon, Barnes & Noble. And, and we have it on our website, and uh, it's got a lot, it's, it's, it's full, filled with information about uh, Chris's own experience, and then she weaves in experiences for you, how how you can uh, notice if you're a person who wants to um, notice for signs. And I wanted to get to page 130, particularly because in this um, it says that Zach, who is your son that died, conveyed to me that that he would like to have these kind of comments out there for people on how they can receive signs. And I wondered if uh, we don't have time to kind of read them all, so you'll want to go into it. But 
uh, you want to buy the book. But um, one of the things it says here is the signs are there. You know, I find dimes all the time. I haven't quite figured out what that's all about. But when I'm really needy, I seem to find them around. And they know that. They know when you need a sign. And so they will leave coins. They'll make sure that a radio station has the appropriate... A certain song, right? There will be rainbows or birds or lights turning on and off. Um, there, there are lots of different signs that are personal signs. You know, um, Zach wouldn't have moved tools for me. He did for his friends because they would have recognized that. But it wouldn't have had anything to do with him and me and our relationship. And I know in here it says that you should be aware and watch and trust your sense. You know, I didn't keep a journal. Uh, one of the lovely things about this book, uh, Chris has journaled a lot, so you kind of go on her her journey with her. But um, I, I think there were a lot of signs for me, but when you're in heavy grief, you notice them at the moment, mm-hmm. and then you kind of let them go. So journaling is kind of nice because you can go back and look. That's what was very helpful to me. The, the fact that I was in heavy grief or a heavy feeling at that month, at that time, that's what I needed to do. But I would be able to have a history after a while. I could look back. I could see I'm not in the same place as I, as I was several months ago. Or I'm recycling this feeling again. What's going on? So although it was a feeling journey, I could always look, I could look at it from a, a cognitive perspective. And not everybody gets it either. Um, you know, when you have something you think is really profound, they're like, no, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes you just have to hold your profound moments and, and right. hold them for yourself. Or, or share them with somebody else that has signs and it is open to those. Yeah. And that fits into, yeah, finding people <clears throat> like people that you can work with. Talk about uh, trusting your animals, your pets, because Heidi, you were talking about pets, right? Pets and small children. My yes. Three-year-old has actually had times where she sees her grandfather, and she says she can't believe I can't see him. And you know she's only three and a half, and it's been really strange for me. But I just allow her to have her experience. Oh, that's wonderful. Children usually after about five or six, they they lose that, and that's because they start believing parental beliefs, and mm-hmm. they don't trust what they are seeing. My grandson has played with that. And he yeah. talked about him um, moving his trucks and his toys and things like that. Mm-hmm. And he described him. So right. um, it, it does happen. My, my dog, we, we got this dog about, uh, it was several months after Zach died. But she always lets us know when he's here. She'll stare at a corner. She'll growl. You know, she will do something to, to let us know that, that he's around. And yeah, the, yeah. In, in fact, I heard our, a dog in, our, in my building crying and saying goodbye to its owner and, you know, getting really excited one day. And I, the owner came out and I said, wow, your dog is really going to miss you. And he looked at me and said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, I heard him in there. He goes, my dog is dead. Oh, wow. And I said, you know what? I heard a dog in there. So, I mean, it was interesting. I heard him saying goodbye. Yeah, you know, um, I went to a funeral actually yesterday, and uh, I was talking to the young lady who found her mother uh, died of a coronary embolism, and um, she said, "I said it must have been a shock for you to find her." And she said, "Yes." And my my little daughter was with me; who was about six. She said, "But you know what? I called and nobody was home." And my daughter said, "I hope Grandma's not dead." Wow. So, uh, you know, and the woman died. So totally unpredictably. 
So it, children are amazing. They are. They're perceptive. Yeah. And I love where you say in here that we are with you. Uh, you just have to be aware, mm-hmm. which is so sweet thinking that, as you said, your philosophy that we're really never without them, right? They're always right there. Um, it's us who don't recognize it. And I, I surely understand, like I said, it took quite a few months for me to, to trust what was happening. And that was one thing that Zach repetitively said, um, trust, 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 trust. That was a message to his brother. Um, he needed to trust that what he was getting was what was real and that mm-hmm. he is there with him. Now, his brother, is, Tyler, is quite in touch with all this with you, but your husband's not so much, right? He was one of those real skeptics <laughs> <laughs> until I, I, I waited several months to tell him about the conversation. This is your husband. Yes, mm-hmm. and and he was wonderful because when I told him that Zach said, tell him I'm saving a place for him, mm-hmm. he he looked at me, his eyes widened, he was, he, he was dumbfounded. But that was in response to the last thing that he whispered in his ear before we remo- re- removed his life support. Now, now he so he feels that that there may be a connection, but he is not as invested in it as you are. Would you say? I mean, it seems to me that maybe you have a mission to to keep that connection very strong, so you can help others. But not everybody needs to keep it that that strong. I would think. No, he he's a, a believer now. There have been too many things that have made mm-hmm. sense. He also had his experience where Zach gave him a sign. To say goodbye, and mm-hmm. and so he is a believer now. But but you're right. This is what I hope to do. I would love to help people, not only with their grief, but also understanding that they don't leave us. They're still here. It's just a different way. I can't hug him anymore, but mm-hmm. I still can have a different relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And what would you suggest to people? I'm sitting here now and I'm thinking, now, what could I very first do? Okay. Well, um, in, in the grief, what, what I had to do is I had to make a decision about living. I was going through the emotional and the physical responses so strongly, although I was still having the signs from that. You know, I was getting the signs and I was having this overwhelming pain. But I had to make a decision about my life. I had to live. I, I believe Zach was dead. I'm alive. I have to keep living. So due to that, my epiphany was I had to change me. I had to, um, through my ongoing acceptance, I had to recognize that this was a blessing, that I had him still in my life. And I... I equated it to like a handbag. You know, I had this handbag full of rocks that my life was just getting so weighted down. But I realized after I made that, uh, had that epiphany and, and made that decision that my purse was lightening. That handbag was getting full more of gifts. It was- and that was how many, how long after he had died did you have that epiphany? That was, that was in June. And, um, and he died. How long would that have been? That was in October, so it, okay. it was about um, eight, nine months. Mm-hmm. And, and people have different times when they reach that moment of, of deciding that they're going to right. 
Absolutely, because everybody's grief is so different. Well, let me. We, it's time for us to close the show, but I'd hi, I mean to end this segment. But I'd highly recommend that you get Chris Mulligan's book, The Afterlife Agreements: A Gift from Beyond. Chris, are you open to having people email you? Oh, you bet! I just started a blog, and I'm really excited about it. And so, I'd love for people to write back about their experiences. I'd be happy to to start responding to those. I'd I'd love to start a forum about. Okay, give it. us your blog. Okay, it's it's blogger.com, and it's Afterlife Books, and that's the same as my... Um, there's a link from the blog and a link from the um, the website that goes to either one. And okay, well, hopefully we'll get it on the grief blog, and you can uh, uh, put a link to us on yours. Okay. And hopefully uh, we hear that you're going to write for us, too, which we're very excited about. So thank you so much for being on the show, Chris. Oh, thanks, thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.